Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining me for today's uh, worship service from First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. I want to talk about how God calls each of us to serve Him and make a difference in other people's lives, make a difference in this world. Uh, recently, I was looking at the Instagram post on our church's account and was really blessed by the depictions of people of God serving here in the church and in the community and, and outside the country. Even uh, some of the recent posts included our uh, B45 students, which is our fourth and fifth graders, uh, serving one Sunday morning in the lobby and at the entrances, uh, welcoming people to, to worship, a simple way to serve, but an important one. Another post uh, had, had, a, had pictures of our uh, college students and some adults helping them as they were uh, building a, a handicap ramp at a house where it was needed. There was another post about a team that had uh, gone to Puerto Rico to repair houses damaged by the hurricanes and so on. And then there was a post about a family with their young children putting food items in one of these uh, you know, community boxes where uh, people who need food can get it for free without asking any questions or anything. And, and they were loading that up with food and their kids were learning to serve. Another photograph had to do with the warming center. Uh, every winter we host uh, homeless men in our gymnasium for a few weeks and members are gathering uh, items to, you know, socks and toothpaste and other personal hygiene items for those, for those men. Another uh, post on our Instagram account was a, a man who is, who is my age and on a Sunday morning he was down in our preschool area uh, at church and, and he was on his knees playing with and serving our preschool children and I was blessed by that. And then there was the post of our middle school students, you know, those 6th, 7th, and 8th graders who were painting a house in Rock Hill, a house that had a handicap ramp on it because that was a, a need in that particular family's life. And, and then there was the post on the Instagram account of some adult volunteers who were taking our youth on a ski trip up in the mountains so they could have some fun. And on and on I could go with the, the different ways people here at First Baptist serve both in the church, in the community, and around the world. And I just want to remind us that Jesus himself said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. In fact, Jesus' follower, disciple, the apostle Peter, in one of his books in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, said this. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have, whatever talent, ability you have, you have received, received from God to serve others to serve others. That's how we steward or manage the grace that God's given us is by serving others. And the truth is, and, and you know this, all of us know this, it feels good to serve people. It feels good to help people to make a difference. In fact, research, secular research affirms that. In fact, uh, research has demonstrated the, the benefits of being someone who regularly, consistently serves others. I'm not talking about just a, a one-off, but you have a lifestyle of serving other people at a point of need. Research says there are many benefits. There are health benefits. It helps with stress. It helps you fight off disease. <laughs> research even says it lowers your blood pressure. And all of that taken together can cause people to live longer. Research indicates that being the kind of person who consistently and regularly, week in and week out, serves others, it, it, it adds to happiness. It gives a greater sense of purpose and satisfaction in life. Another benefit is it's contagious. When people see you doing it, they are encouraged to do it 
themselves, and so it's contagious. And, and uh, one really encouraging thing for me is that the research tells us that when teenagers are engaged cons uh, consistently in serving others, they have a, a better self-image, they have more confidence, they do better in school. There are so many benefits to children and teenagers and adults, people of every age, serving. Now, here's what I want you to know. God created us to serve. God hardwired wired me and you to serve and to, and to help other people. And that's what healthy disciples do. Healthy followers of Jesus Christ serve. And I, I want to mention two ways. One, you serve in the church. You serve people through the ministries of the church. You serve people who are at the church, the children of the church, the, the youth of the church. But you also serve people who are disconnected from God, those who are far from God, who are not part of God's family, not part of the church, not in a relationship with Christ. We serve people in the community. We serve people around the world. We serve them at a point of need. We serve people who are hurting. We serve people who are lost and unchurched. And each of us, me and you, each of us need to serve God by serving both groups, those in the church and those outside of the church, not just one or the other, but each of us needs to serve in both places, in the church and in the community. And today, what I want to do for a few moments is encourage you. I want to encourage you because you can serve. You can be an instrument of God that makes a difference in this community, in this church, in this world. You can be someone God uses to bless other people. And some of you would like that but you don't think you can be that person. Some of you have believed a lie that Satan has planted in your mind that God cannot use you, that you cannot be someone who makes a difference. You say to yourself something like, well, I don't have the skills, the talent, the ability to do that. Or maybe there's something in your past, some failure, some mistake, some problem in your past that, that causes you to feel like you're disqualified. And because of that history, God could never put his hand on your life and use you. And I want to tell you, that thinking is so wrong. God can use you. If you love Jesus or following Jesus, God can use you and your life to serve him in the church and in the community. So what I want to do is use the story from the book of Exodus of Moses to encourage us. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher, Moses? I've seen that movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston. It's on television every every year at Easter. I, I've seen him with that rod and the parting of the Red Sea and all the miracles. I, I'm not Moses. I can't be like him. I can't do that. God could never use me the way he used Moses. But here's what I want you to hear. The principles of serving God are the same whether you're Moses or you. The principles that, that, that are associated with being an instrument in the hand of God to make a difference in this world and in the church and people's lives, whether in a big way or a small way, based on how you look at it and think about it, the principles are the same. So we can learn from Moses and be encouraged. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, it may never make the headlines of the local paper. It, never, it may never be on television. Nobody will make a movie about it, but it's, but it's God using you to help people. God using you to advance his kingdom and make a difference, and we can learn 
we can learn from the story of Moses because the principles are the same for all of us. So let's just take a quick moment, and if you have your Bible, you can open it to Exodus. We're going to read from chapter 2 in just a second, but let me just remind us of his story. In Exodus chapter 1, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people who had moved to Egypt years earlier with, with Jacob and Joseph, their descendants had, had increased and, and the population had grown to the point that there were thousands and thousands of Hebrew people living in Egypt and, and the Pharaoh and the government took away their freedom, enslaved all of these Hebrew descendants and, and placed them in forced labor, hard labor and life was tough for them and at one point uh, to limit the population growth of the Hebrew people, the Pharaoh, the, the Egyptian government, if you will, began uh, committing infanticide. They, 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 they began executing all of the babies, the Hebrew babies who were boys, little boys, the, the male infants, by throwing them into the Nile River where most of them either drowned or were eaten by crocodiles. So that's chapter 1, and that's the situation into which Moses is born. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus in chapter 2 that he was a beautiful baby and his mother hit him as long as she could, but the time came when she could no longer hit him and so hide him. So she placed him in a basket, if you will, that would float and put him in the Nile River and in the care of God. And as God would orchestrate it, Pharaoh's daughter saw him, had him rescued from the water, and Moses was raised, if you will, in the palace. And that's where I want us to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 2, if you have your Bible. Moses is now a man living in the palace under Pharaoh's care as, as the son of Pharaoh's sister, and yet he knows who he really is. He knows he's a Hebrew, and he knows that those people out there who are slaves and, and who are suffering are his real people. And so in Exodus chapter 2, if you have your Bible, follow with me beginning at verse 11. Here's what the Bible says. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, so he's a man, that he went out to his brethren, he went out to the Hebrew people, and he looked on their hard labors. He, he, he took it in, he observed. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Verse 12. So he, Moses, looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian, he killed him, and hid him in the sand. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, to the one who was abusing uh, the other Hebrew, he said, why, why are you striking your companion? Verse 14, that Hebrew man said to Moses, Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. Verse 15, And when Pharaoh heard of this matter... News got back to the king of Egypt, if you will, about what Moses had done. He tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from his presence, from the presence of Pharaoh, and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So he left Egypt, and he went east through the Sinai Desert, and on the other side of, the, of Mount Sinai to the land of Midian, and that's where he took up residence and began living. And while he was there, he uh, married a woman from that country. He had a family. He became a shepherd, and years passed. And one day, Moses has his father-in-law's flock of sheep, and he's taking care of them. And, and, and 
they would move herds from place to place in that day to graze. And, and they're out near the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, it's often referred to in the Old Testament. And, and you're familiar with the story. Moses sees on the mountain of God this burning bush, and God speaks to him from the midst of the bush. And I want us to look in chapter 3 of Exodus at what God says, starting at verse 7. So chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Verse 8, so I have come down, God says, to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them to that land, a good and spacious land, to bring them to the promised land. He says, I'm going to deliver them and take them to a homeland. And then in verse 10, God says to Moses, therefore, come now, and I will send you. Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. I'm going to send you to Egypt so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, I'm going to use you. And Moses begins making excuses. He sounds like us, doesn't it? When, when, when God asks us to do something, when there's an appeal at church to serve or to volunteer, when there's an opportunity in the community to serve, sounds like us that sometimes we make excuses for why we can't, why we're not going to do it. Moses said, who am I? Who am I to do that? I'm not qualified. He said, send someone else. There are other people who would do a better job than me. He said, I'm not a good speaker. There are, I, I'm not persuasive. There are others who have more talents than I have, and, and God responded to Moses very clearly in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, and he said, God said to Moses, certainly I will be with you. Moses, you're not going to do this by yourself. When you go back to Egypt to serve in the way I'm calling you to, I'm going with you. I will be with you. And then in chapter 4, also in verse 12, God says, Moses, now then go. Stop standing here. Stop making excuses. He said, go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. I'm not only going to go with you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the ability to do what I'm calling you, what I'm asking you to do. And so Moses gets his family together, his wife and his kids, and they make the journey to Egypt. And as they say, the rest of the story is a powerful story. You know the story. He goes to Egypt, and through a series of events, God uses him through a series of miracles. God frees the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt, and they begin their journey to the promised land. Now, what I'm going to do is just stop for a moment. And, and, and take this part of Moses' story, God calling him to serve in this, in this fantastic way, in this you know, adventurous way, and, and, and Moses' hesitation, and then Moses' final obedience, and learn some lessons that can encourage us. Yes, I'm not Moses. You're not Moses. That's okay. We don't have to be. All I have to be is me. All you have to be is you. But the lessons, the principles that were at work in God calling Moses to serve him are also at work in our lives. So I want to encourage you uh, to serve, to serve God in this church, to serve God in this community, to serve God in this world and grow his kingdom. And if you're going to do that, and I know you want to, if you're going to do that, there are some things you need to know. And so let me share these lessons with you real, real quickly. Number one, if you want to serve God, here's the first step. 
Identify a need that you care about. Just look out there in the church. Look out there in the community. Look in this world. And, and, and there's going to be something that, that is a need where people are hurting, where people are far from God, where people are struggling. And God puts that on your heart. He gives you a burden for those people and for that particular need. Moses saw the suffering of his people as slaves in Egypt. He was aware of the infanticide. And, and, and he wanted to help. That's the reason he killed that Egyptian who was beating Hebrew, a Hebrew. He wanted to help. And, and, and God needs you and me to care. God needs us to look out there and see the needs, the opportunities, to look in the church and see the needs and the opportunities and, and care, and he's going to place that burden upon our heart. And, and, and here's something to remember. Even if you are the only person who has that burden, it's okay. God may not give that same burden to everybody, but if he gives it to you, there is a reason he's giving that burden to you. Here's the second lesson. Number, number one, identify the need that you care about. Number two, understand that God's call is always personal. God is going to speak to you about you. God is going to speak to you about your role in his kingdom making a difference. God is going to personally talk to you about what he's wanting you to do. When Moses was tending his father's flock, he looked upon the mountain of God and he saw that burning bush. And God spoke to him. God did not say, Moses, let me tell you what I'm asking everybody else to do. God said, Moses, here's what I have for you to do. It was a personal message. It was a personal call upon Moses' life. You see, God may call other believers to serve in different ways. God may call other believers to meet different needs. God's going to put on your heart the need the call that he has for your life, and it may not be the same one he gives everyone else. Other believers may be called to serve differently. Now, now he, hear me. Stop saying because there's a burden on your heart. Stop saying because there's a need you see that God's calling you to me. Stop saying, well, you know, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do that. The church needs to have a ministry for this. The church needs to, no, no, stop it, stop it. God's call is personal. There are going to be a certain number of things that the church as a whole does. But the people within the church, the people within the body of Christ, the people who make up this family of faith, God's going to call you to do various things. And sometimes it'll be part of what the church as a whole is doing, but other times it's going to be what God is simply calling you as an individual disciple to do. Stop putting it off on everybody else. God's call is personal. God is going to speak to you about the way he wants to use you. Not the way he wants to use everybody else, but personally how he wants to use you. Here's the third lesson. Don't be your own worst enemy. Another way to say this is don't get in your own way. You see, as soon as God spoke to Moses in that burning bush and said, I want you to go down there and lead the Hebrew children to, to freedom, what did Moses do? He started making excuses. And in making excuses, Moses was about to rob himself of the greatest adventure he would ever have in life. One excuse was send someone else. That's like you saying, well, the church needs to do this. God is saying, no, I'm asking you to do it. Another excuse Moses made was, I'm not a good speaker. It's like you saying there are others who are more talented 
than I am. They, they, they can do that. They're better at it. They're more talented. No, God is calling you to do something. Moses' third excuse was, God, who am I? Who am I? I'm a, and, and do you know what God said? Now, this is my Steve Hogg paraphrase. It's as though God looked at Moses and said, Moses, you're my man. Moses, you're the one I'm choosing. Moses, you're the one I'm calling. Yes, I know you're a fugitive and you are a shepherd. And you may think because of that your past or your present disqualifies you. But it doesn't. It doesn't because I can use you. The biggest obstacle quite often to each of us serving God in the way he calls us is ourself. Making excuses. Saying somebody else can do it better. The church should do it. And God is saying, no, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Do not say no to the grand adventure God has for you. Can you imagine if Moses had said no on Mount Sinai and stayed there in the desert? All he would have missed out on. He would have missed seeing the miracles of God, the hand of God, the work of God. He would have missed out on the adventure of being an instrument of God. And whatever it is God's calling you to do, whether it's something that you think of as big or something you think of as small, it's an exciting adventure to serve God in the church and in the community. And you don't want to miss out on that because you say, no, don't be your own obstacle. Here's the fourth lesson. Your life experiences... Your past, those things that you think may disqualify you, in reality can be an asset as you serve God. Moses said, God, who am I? I'm a fugitive. I'm just a shepherd. God said, no, you're my man. Moses, remember, you were raised in the palace. You're familiar with Egypt. Moses, you spent years now as a shepherd in this very desert through which you're going to have to lead my people as I bring them to freedom and the promised land. I've prepared you by letting you live in this area. So not only are you now familiar with Egypt, but Moses, you now know and are familiar with the very ground they're going to have to walk on to get to freedom. I've been preparing you, Moses. Moses, yes, you grew up in the palace and you know Egypt. But Moses, you've been a shepherd these years now. And guess what? The Hebrew people who were slaves, do you know what they were, Moses, before, I made, before Egypt made them slaves? They were shepherds. They were shepherds. You can have an affinity for them. You can identify with them. Moses, this whole time, I've been shaping you and preparing you. And you need to realize that whatever your background, whatever your experiences, whatever your past, whether they are things that God has done in your life or they are the results of sin that you've committed or good experiences, whatever they are, God can take your journey to this point in life and use it for his glory and to prepare you to serve him in this grand adventure he has for you in the days ahead. God can use your experiences and past. God can redeem your past. God is shaping you to be the right person for whatever it is he's calling you to do to serve him. Here's the fifth lesson. You ready? Write this one down. You're never alone. You're never alone. God said, Moses, I will be with you. God said, Moses, I will teach you how to talk and what to say. And God said, Moses, 
not only am I going to be with you, but when you are there in Egypt, my power is going to be with you. I'm going to perform miracles through you. It will be me, God says, it will be me, God, who does the work, but you will be my servant. And I will free my people, but you will be an instrument in my hand in doing it. God said, Moses, I will be with you and I will enable you and I will do the work. You see, what God needs is not your greatness, just your availability. What God needs is not your brilliance, but your obedience. He will be with you and in time. Listen to this. God in time. If you're following the call of God, if you're doing what God's asking you to do to serve him in time, God will also call some others to come along beside you and do the work, the ministry with you. He did that with Moses. He gave him his brother and his sister, Aaron and Miriam. He raised up Joshua and others who came alongside Moses and helped him in fulfilling the call that God had placed on his life. But Moses had to take the first step and so do you, brothers and sisters. It's not about what the church should do. It's not about what everybody else should do. It is about what is God calling you to do to serve him in the church and in the community. Here's the sixth lesson. Are you ready? This one really encourages me. God sees and knows your future. God sees and knows my future. When God called Moses to return to Egypt and speak to the Pharaoh about releasing the people of Israel, uh, God knew how Pharaoh was going to respond. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible says this, and, it, and it's God speaking. He said, but I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. Moses, I'm sending you down there, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, but I, I already know. I already know that he's going to say no. And the only way he's going to acquiesce, the only way he's going to free the Hebrew slaves is under compulsion. But don't you worry. Don't you worry, Moses, because I've got, God says, I've got a mighty hand and there will be compulsion that moves him to release my people. God knows your future. He sees it and he knows it. God not only knew that there would be obstacles in, in the sense of, uh, of Pharaoh resisting what God wanted to do, but God also knew the ultimate outcome, that it would turn out okay. And he told Moses that, in fact, in chapter 3, after talking about the Pharaoh in verse 20, God said, Moses, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he, the Pharaoh, will let you go. And then in verse 21, God says, And I will grant this people, the Hebrew people, I will grant them favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. In fact, in verse 21, he lists all these, uh, all, all these material things. And at the end of verse 22 said, Thus you shall plunder the Egyptians. God says, Moses, listen, the Pharaoh may resist, but, but it's futile because my power will bring him to submission. And then when you lead the Hebrew people out, you all will plunder Egypt like a conquering army plunders a nation they've defeated. And you will have all the supplies, all the material things, all the clothing, all the food, all the gold, all the resources you need as a people for your future. And here's the point, brothers and sisters. God knows our ultimate destination. If God's calling you to serve him, God knows how it's going to turn out. He knows the challenges you're going to face along the way. 
He knows the first step, the last step, and every step in between. He knows nothing catches him by surprise. He knows the ups and downs, the challenges, and the blessings. So don't fear. Do not fear because God knows and He's with you and He provides. He enables. He will guide your journey. And it blesses my heart to know that God sees and knows my future. And I hope it blesses yours. So don't be afraid to serve Him. And then here's the final, here's the last lesson. God has a plan for you. Yes, He does. God has a plan for me. God had Moses in His hand from the very start. God has a plan for you and He had it from the very beginning of your existence. God uh, said to the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, God said to that man, to that prophet, He said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I called you. I had a plan for you from the very beginning. And I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Nothing in your life catches God by surprise. He has a plan for you to serve Him in this church, to serve Him in this community. The only question is, will you answer His call? Will you obey His call in your life? When I was 19 years old, I became pastor of a small church plant that my home church was sponsoring. And uh, for... Uh, a lot of time. I mean, I was there uh, about uh, about six and a half years, and um, for much of that time, we we didn't have a lot of musical talent in that little that little country church, that church plant. Uh, for seasons, we had no one to play the piano, no one who could lead congregational singing. In fact, there were some Sundays it sounded pretty pitiful. And then God God sent God sent us. I always thought God sent me. God sent us Tommy who operated a local Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise, but he could sing. He could sing. And God sent him to us, and he spent a few years with me and with us at that church plant. And I remember something Tommy said to me one Sunday. He said, God put it on my heart to come and help you. God put it on my heart to come and help you. And I am so thankful he did. And will always be grateful for Tommy Stansberry. What has God put on your heart? What's God asking you to do? Will you say yes? Will you obey? And take the adventure, beyond the adventure that God has for you. I hope you do. God bless you. I look forward to being with you again next Sunday.